mindfulness mode 465. I do know how to get into people's minds. I do a fair amount of that. That's one of the reasons the podcast is so successful as part of the languaging that I use. Welcome to Mindfulness Mode. I'm Bruce, your host and Mindfulness Life Coach. So good to have you here at Mindfulness Mode where you can reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness. Today's guest launched his own podcast. And you know what? You could do exactly the same thing. He, as far as I know, all the episodes I've listened to, he has not interviewed guests. He's just shared his incredible knowledge. You can share your incredible knowledge or you could interview guests. It's just so much fun to have a podcast. And a podcast has to have a home. It has to live somewhere. My podcast lives at Podbean. And Podbean is a great place because they provide support. They don't, they don't charge excessive amounts of money. It's been around and proven for over 10 years. So that it's just a great place to, to host your podcast. It's only $9 a month. And you can get a month of free hosting with my affiliate link. Go to podbean.com slash podbeanmm standing for mindfulness mode. So today, like I said, my guest has a podcast. He's been on many stages with many people, including Robert Kiyosaki and just so many incredible trainers and teachers. And he is an incredible trainer and teacher. And he can teach you all about how to transform your life from the inside out. And by the way, that's the name of his podcast, Transform Your Life from the Inside Out. And he's all about dealing with your subconscious programming. So he can share ways with you as to how to reprogram your subconscious mind. He talks about habits. He talks about consistency. I think you'll enjoy tuning in with this episode where we talk about all those things. Sit back, relax, and enjoy my interview with Jim Fortin. Hey, Mindful Tribe, I have an amazing giver with me today. And he just, like on his podcast, I was just saying to him, he gives, gives, gives so much valuable content. And he's so talented and so skilled. I have Jim Fortin with me today. Hey, Jim, are you in mindfulness mode today? Absolutely. Let's be mindful and let's help some people. (laughs) That's great. So, Jim, I absolutely uh, have loved listening to your podcast. And your name is so easy to remember because it totally rhymes with one of our huge Canadian icons, Tim Horton. I got it. (laughs) So anytime I think about you, I think Tim Horton. Oh, yeah. Jim Fortin. Now, exact rhyming. But, Jim, what does mindfulness mean to you? Well, first off, my background, Fortin, it's, it's French-Canadian and French-Canadian. So my father's family is from Canada. Oh, cool. And Madonna's mother also has the same last name. So I'm guessing Madonna and I might be related somewhere, probably seven cousins or something. I don't know. Interesting. But, but, but anyway, mindfulness. You know, that's an interesting thing that very few people actually even look into the meaning of it or, or how it can serve them or how it can help them. I want to go and just share with you my perspective and go a little different direction maybe, and we can just see where this goes, is that you may or may not know, listening to my podcast, that my sister's husband is a shaman. Shamans are healers. 
people that don't know because I want to take it somewhere for them. Shamans can be traced back 70,000 years by anthropologists. They were the advisors to Mayan kings. In Native American times, they were the medicine men, the seers and the healers. And he started apprenticing when he was six. And sometimes people practice shamanism and they go to work from nine to five and they're a CPA and they practice shamanism on the weekends. But this is what he does. I mean, he's a full-blown, like if you'd go to the Amazon, you would find shamans like him. So now that being said, I've worked with him and I don't know the right word, even though I've said apprenticeship before, he's mentored me and guided me for a lot of years. And let's bring this to mindfulness. He's never used the word mindful, but what he's always talked about is silencing the mind, getting quiet and silencing the mind for higher awareness and higher sense. Sense is like the sixth sense, meaning it's higher function of mind. So for me, I, I'm, we're probably talking about the same things, but when I use the word mindfulness, the first place that I go to is silence and quiet the mind right now. Well, that's certainly something that we really should be doing. It's very important. It's made a big difference for me, that's for sure. And and you're right, no matter what we call it, whether we call it mindfulness or we call it, you know, certainly meditation gets to be part of mindfulness and different people refer to mindfulness in different ways. And mm-hmm. I know you mentioned your brother-in-law a lot on your podcast mm-hmm. and it's pretty fascinating how your life changed once you met him and, and started following him. That's totally fascinating. Now I want to talk to you about how you got involved in this whole field, because that was long before even your brother-in-law came on board. Isn't that true? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Long story, very, very short, is I was chasing money after college. You know, I was doing what pretty much everyone does. You go out, you go to college many years ago in my age category, you be successful, all this kind of stuff. And I had a business partner that I had met who was a professional athlete, very well known in Texas. And he took me into a world that I, away over my head. And we started trading foreign currency. And I was 26, 27. And overnight, we lost everything we had because we were being greedy. Oh. Well, we lost probably, I think it was like $580,000. And I was a stupid kid and I didn't have any money saved or put, in, it was ridiculous, you know, as a kid. And I, I lost everything. And I started thinking, well, how do people come back from this? And I had read in the newspaper that back that, at that time, Governor John Connolly, a former governor of Texas, he was in the car with Kennedy, lost everything also. And through some, whatever, he was older, whatever he did. And I'm like, how do people come back from this? And I started reading motivational stuff. It was good, but it wasn't getting me anywhere. Then I started getting involved in in more advanced things like NLP and neurolinguistic programming, and that helps some more. Then I got involved in hypnosis, which is a small aspect of NLP, been around for, for, for thousands of years. It's legitimized by Harvard, Stanford, Yale, et cetera. And so that was the beginning of the path of personal development, which brought me where I am now. And then my brother-in-law came along probably six or seven years later. So it was just, it was just um, it was like, how do I improve my life? But really, really get out of the rut that I'm in. Jim, I want to share with my listeners a little bit more about you and what you've done, and then we'll move forward in our conversation. Jim sure. Fortin is widely considered the leader in subconscious transformation. He's a high-performance expert with over two decades of expertise in brain-based transformation and high performance. And he is on a passionate mission to help professionals and entrepreneurs take both their sales and personal performance 
to unexpected levels. Using a brain-based approach coupled with transformational uh, psychology and ancient wisdom, Jim has created uh, programs that create long-term core level life transformation in his students. And he's trained so many people, top level people from Wall Street to Main Street USA. And he works with both Fortune 500 selling professionals and, you know, people who are not in that category as well. He's also been on stage with many, many people, including Robert Kiyosaki, Tony Robbins, George Foreman, Dr. Phil, so many people. One of the questions I have for you, Jim, is I know that you did NLP and hypnotism. Why is it you don't do some of these things anymore? Well, I I was a hypnotherapist back 20 years ago. Um, A lot of people, and this is like a public service announcement, a lot of people are afraid of that word. When hypnosis was endorsed by the American Medical Association, I don't know, 60, 70 years ago, they changed that endorsement because of the way that they endorsed. But even today, the American Psychological, the American Psychiatric, the British Medical, the American Dental, Harvard, Stanford, Yale, Columbia, the Mayo Clinic, National Institute of Health. Uh, The reason I do that is that people are like, wow, okay, I didn't know all this. They endorse the efficacy of hypnosis. Let's just call it power of the mind because that's literally what it is. So I did hypnotherapy, but hypnotherapy for the most part is one-to-one. And, you know, I I can't reach the amount of, and and it's hours for dollars. They pay you for your time. You make so much. Now, basically, I use hypnosis in all of my transformational programs, but I do group programs and I wrap it around uh, transformational psychology, uh, characteristics and ways of being. But the reason that I stopped is that I just couldn't reach the amount of people that I wanted to reach by doing group programs using hypnosis as opposed to just doing um, an in-session, you know, a session with people. That's why I stopped. Okay, that makes sense. And your podcast is called Transform Your Life from the Inside Out. And that's mm-hmm. where we really have to start, on the yeah. inside. But how do we go about starting on the inside? It's easier said than done. Well, notice what you just said. That's a belief. And that's a contextual belief. And the contextual belief is like a frame belief, meaning if we work from that frame. So let's say, for example, if someone said, well, no matter what I do, I can't lose weight. Well, then no matter what they do, whether it's hypnosis or dieting or Pilates or or whatever it is, they're going to be predisposed by that contextual belief that I can't lose weight. So most people live backwards. They live from the outside in as opposed to the inside out. So let me give everyone a metaphor and then we'll take it from there. So Bruce, did you smoke any cigarettes today? No, I didn't. You didn't? How come? Because I'm not a smoker. Simple, simple metaphor. But if you were a smoker, you would have smoked cigarettes this morning. A lot of smokers, that's the first thing they do is they grab a cigarette. Yeah. So whatever we are at the core identity level in terms of whatever our subconscious paradigms are is what we do. So you are a non-smoker at the paradigm level, unconscious paradigm. I am a non-smoker, yet a smoker will smoke because that's what they do. Now we learn to do these things, and then what we do is we go on autopilot, brain-based autopilot, and we just live our habits day in, day out, not even knowing that we're doing our habit. People that bite their fingernails, no one ever says, you know what, it's 10.20 a.m., it's time to bite my nails. Doesn't happen, it happens unconsciously. That's right. So what happens is we learn to be these things and then by the, by the nature of the brain and the unconscious mind, most people operate on autopilot for a lifetime, never recognizing back to your question that where does all this come from? 
it comes from two places. It comes from the reptilian part of the brain, the oldest part of the brain, because that's the part of the brain that sustains our habit. Um, research has demonstrated that 95% of what we do is habitual. So let's go there. We'll go habits and then we'll go unconscious programming. World-renowned research has clearly demonstrated that 95% of every single thing that we do requires no conscious thought. Our brain does it for us. And yet we don't even know our brain's doing it for us. People think that they consciously make their decisions. We do not. The people that are already listening to your podcast, they don't say, well, should I get mindful today? Should I not? Do I like mindfulness? Maybe I do on Monday, but not. they don't do that. They just, they hear the word mindfulness and they're like, well, okay, that's me, part of the identity. So one place we can look at is what are our habits? Because people will not get what they want in life. They will get their habits because people can say all day long, I want to stop drinking. Well, that's an unconscious brain-based habit, it literally. And a lot of people don't really understand that. Smoking is a habit. Lying on the couch and eating junk food is a habit. The reverse is going to the gym every day and being healthy is a habit. We don't get what we want, we get our habits. So the first place to look is what are my habits and what habits will actually get me the outcomes that I want. The second phase is we talk about smoking, is identity. Whatever my identity is, we all have like a, a paradigm, a blueprint. Whatever my identity is at the unconscious level, that's what I do automatically. So for example, I've used it before, you might have heard it, is I don't like liver and onions. So if you put liver and onions in front of me, and a lot of people don't, if you put it in front of me, I'm not going to eat it. But if, my, if in my identity, I'm a person who likes liver and onions, I will eat it. So to answer your question, number one is let's look at habits. And I would strongly suggest people actually start looking into, okay, how do I change my habits? And I tell people to start small first. People make the mistake of trying to start really big and they fail. Start, start with small things. Secondly is, and I've referred this in the podcast, is we have to reprogram our subconscious mind and I recommend the book. It's a classic. It's called The Power of Your Subconscious Mind. I don't know the guy's name. Maybe, anyway, look that up. The Power of Your Subconscious Mind. Uh, I think it's Dr. Joseph Murphy or something like that. It's a, it's a classic book. It's been around for like 30 years. And it's embarrassing that I don't know the name, but I just refer to the title. Um, I do want to point out, he does come from a Christian perspective. I'm not endorsing anything, but that book, the content is so good. I don't care what perspective he comes from in terms of a religion or no religion. The content is very, very good. And I tell people, learn how to reprogram your subconscious mind. That's how we do it. And we do it. It's actually very easy because when we talk to ourselves all day long, we're programming ourselves. I can't dance. I'm not good at math. It's hard to lose weight. It's hard to change. It's hard to do this. It's hard to do that. Anything we say to ourselves with repetition and emotion we're literally programming ourselves. Yeah, we really are. And, uh, you know, we sometimes just don't realize that that's what we need to do. And certainly a lot of us don't know how to do it. And you're right. It starts with habits. And I think it starts with not thinking you can do it all at once sometimes too. And mm -hmm. I know sometimes you talk about, you know, make a three-year plan, make a three-year plan and then do it bit by bit. Is, is that still what you advocate? Yes, I have mentioned that before. I look at different approaches for different people. And also, I don't think there's any one size fits all. We have different brains. Um, for example, you say, and I, I want to go here for a second. 
let's say that I'm what's called a general thinker, which means I think in big pictures, which I do, then I could say, well, I'm going to conquer the world and I'm going to work on my diet. I'm going to work on mindfulness. I'm going to work on work. I'm going to work on walking every day, all these things. That's because my brain actually thinks in big pictures. Mm -hmm. These are brain traits. But then an old habit of mine, what I would do is try to tackle everything and then fail very, very quickly. So what I tell people is, for that reason, is to start small. And I tell people very simply is, let's start training your brain to be disciplined and committed, but let's start really small. And I even refer, it's even in the podcast, I refer, I've never used it because I, I use something else. Uh, for me, I use my cell phone actually. But there's an app called Commit to Three. It's free. And you basically just pick three things that you want to do every day that are simple. And I mentioned this on the podcast, but I'll, I'll get to this in a minute. You can put things like make your bed every morning, drink hot, whatever, you know, drink hot tea. What we're doing is we're conditioning the brain. That is the purpose of that because most of our brains are like drunk monkeys, reptilian mm. part of the brain. But for me, something I talk about in the podcast is I drink a lot of water. And when every time I fill this container up, which is multiple times a day, I just literally bless the water. And I just literally say, thank you for giving me life. Your body is 70% water. No water for a few days and you're a dead bag of skin. So you know, we, we need this. So what I did is when I started doing this many years ago, I put stickies all over the house on every place that water was. Why? Because I'd forget. I'd go into autopilot, which is what we do. Now it's automatic for me, but I had to train myself. And I'm curious, for you, how does that apply to mindfulness? Because I, want, I love your perspective. Is, is that mindfulness in your perspective? Oh, that's a, that's a part of mindfulness for sure. Because yes, we live our lives a lot of times without being aware, without that sense of mindfulness. And when we make a point of it, then we have to be mindful. We have to, you know notice those notes and make those changes and move forward. And I think that is a big part of mindfulness. When I was invited on your podcast, I was excited because people don't understand. We live in a world because of the brain, sort of yes. totally a part of the brain. To give you an example, how many of you actually listening right now have driven across town and you drive 15 minutes and you get there and you don't even know how you drove there, right? That's yeah. the brain. It's the unconscious mind it and the is. brain. But and I'm going to use the word most, and I mean it respectfully, but most people, and I have been there, live their entire life on an autopilot and no mindfulness whatsoever. And in my interpretation, learning to be mindful and slowing down, that's when we become powerful as creators and healers and manifestors. Yeah, that's absolutely right. And I know on your show, you talk quite a bit about you know, how we get this idea that doing is the answer. You know, we have to get out there. We have to get moving. And there are many self-help people who talk that way. And there are certainly some very big ones who are all about, you know, take action, get moving, come on, you know, work, 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 work. Yeah. And we think as human beings that that is the answer, that we have to just take action all the time. Where is, in fact, what you just said, silencing our brain is much more effective and we can actually accomplish more by stepping back and just quieting our brain. And a lot of people do that with meditation. Do you meditate, Jim? Well, let me add there. I thought of a metaphor that I have not, it was a Buddhist metaphor that I've not thought about in 20 years. And it's like, if you're crossing a shallow stream and it's, it's clean water and you're, close, you're, you're crossing the stream and it's muddy, 
the way to clear the water is just to stop. So I, I want everyone to hear that is because you had mentioned to me, you grew up on a farm. I grew up on yes. a farm. So I learned to air quote work. That's what you did. You work. And I went through college and I worked and I worked through college and after college. And I've learned that it's not so, so many people work, but they're not mindful and they're working like robots. And I have been there because they're not mindful about, well, and I'll come back to your question about meditation. What do I really want to do? Let me, this is in all of my programs, this is the first place I tell people to go get quiet. Because see, that's like Rumi said, is that's where the answers are, is in the quietness. Now, back to your question working with a shaman, is most people see meditation as a practice, meaning it's going to be an activity that I'm going to do. And very quickly in working with my brother-in-law, he said to me 25 years ago, he goes, what if, well, see what a lot of people did, let me back up, and I've been there, because I've meditated even since college back in the 80s. I bought this program called Relax in the Alphanetics, the cassette tape program back in 1985. I don't know where I saw it. It was $88 and I had to make eight payments of $11 to pay for it back in the mid 80s. Yeah. And, and that's where I started it. And every day I was in a fraternity. I, well, I was in a fraternity, but every day I would meditate and we'd go play beer ball in the park on Fridays, take a keg of beer and go to the park, small town, play, play beer ball. Uh, and I remember I'd be like, Hey guys, I'm going to be 30 minutes late because I have to meditate. So I've always done that. Now working with a shaman, he said, what if you could be in that state all the time? Because most of us literally air quote, we think it's like working out. I'm going to go to the gym and I'm going to do the activity in the gym. I'm going to work out and now I'm, I'm working out. And so many of us look at meditation. We're like, well, okay, I'm going to meditate. I'm going to sit here and go ohm. And I'm going to do all that. But then when I come out, I'm going to get a phone call that's going to make me mad. I'm going to get angry. And all my mindfulness goes right out the window. So where I work from is how can I live from that place? What I've been working on the past three years and being mindful of is the Dalai Lama says that let no, let no one's behavior have your internal peace. And it's very easy to give our internal peace away to the world. So where I work from is how can I maintain, I'm not an expert at it, but I'm, I'm very mindful of it. How can I actually maintain my internal peace all day long, every single day? And I tell you, everyone listening, it feels, it's like a drug when you work from that place, because this is what I've learned from my brother-in-law, a lot of things over the years. One of the most powerful things I've ever learned is that you can't do anything without peace of mind. So when you think about people that are trying to get something done, but they're worried about something else, they can't get done what they want to get done because they're worried about something else. So that's why, you know, talking with you is a fit because I always come back to just get quiet. It is so important to be quiet. We think, or a lot of us, I won't speak for everybody, but a lot of people feel like, you know, we have to have things going on all the time. We have to have noise going on. We have to have a radio or a TV. Uh -huh. We have to be doing things all the time. And yeah, absolutely true that we can be so much happier, content, relaxed in life if we step back and just invite the silence. It just is such, such a 
great way of moving forward and healing. Now, you grew up on a farm in Texas and mm-hmm. you've talked on your show a lot about your father was an alcoholic. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm sure it wasn't the easiest time when you were a kid. Uh, tell us a little bit about that life being a kid on the farm and then how you ended up at a university in a fraternity. That doesn't seem like a connection that would be easy to make. Yeah, and let me go back here. So for people listening, we're talking at 10 o'clock Central Standard Time. And about silence is I don't do anything before 11 a.m. Central Standard Time. But that's all the time slots you had. So I'm like, okay, then I'm going to do something before 11 a.m. Central Standard Time. Not everyone can do this. I mean, we have kids. Some people go to you know what I call regular jobs, air quote. They're working nine to five. But I take the first couple of hours of my day every single day and I just, I do things, but it's quiet. There's no background noise. There's no TV. There's, there's no nothing. If there's anything, it might be uh, like a meditative Pandora station or something like that. But the world comes and gets us and grabs us by the collar. And we are metaphorically, and we're so used to a noisy world that it just makes it so hard to quiet ourselves. I'll come to your question. So I was actually, I was grabbing lunch one day on the tollway. We have tollways all over the world and it's noisy. And it's about, a, I don't know, maybe a couple hundred yards from the tollway. Mm-hmm. And I was sitting outside and it was a nice day and they had music on in, in this restaurant. I was sitting out on, on the patio, having lunch by myself. And it was so loud. I mean, the, the, the noise from the restaurant and the, the noise from the tollway. And I looked around, everyone else was oblivious to it is that we've just been conditioned. We just don't recognize how much noise we have in our life. Now, to your other question, I don't know how that happened other than it was just written in the stars. I mean, I grew up in a very, very small farming town. I mean, literally there were 100 people in my graduating class. And this was also in South Texas. And I don't know if it's karma or what, but I always wanted more. I grew Mm -hmm. up working. I'd be up at five o'clock in the morning feeding the cattle, go to school, come home, feed the cattle, or go to sports or whatever, go to sports, come home and feed the cattle. I just, that's what my life was until I went to college. I remember when I went to college, which my father didn't help me. Uh, basically, he's like, you have a choice of going to work or going to the army, but you're not going to college. And I said, no, I'm going to college. And I got student loans and paid all that stuff off. I worked a couple of jobs, et cetera. But it was just something, I always wanted something different than what he had because I watched him struggle for so many years and that just wasn't something that I wanted. So I don't, I don't know where to go with it other than that. But it was just, people ask me that a lot. How did you break out of that? I don't know that I broke out of it. I just wanted something more. I can certainly understand that. I uh, have four brothers and two sisters and I'm the only one that went for post-secondary education. And my family just thought I was completely, <laughs> you know, I just lost it. Like, why yeah. on earth would I want to do that? And so I did the same thing. You know, I got two or three jobs and I worked those jobs and paid my tuition and and did everything I could to earn that degree. And I just thought it was great because that was always something I wanted to do too. So I totally understand that. Now, one of the questions I always ask, Jim, is about the topic of bullying because I've worked in this field for mm-hmm. about 10 years. I think living at home and seeing so much anger and violence and, and things like that, you know, then when I became a teacher and I saw 
kids that were afraid to go to school because they were being picked on and tormented. I wanted to do something about it. I wanted to make a difference in the world. So I started working completely in that field of bullying prevention. Were you ever bullied? Do you have a story where mindfulness would have made a difference? You know, that is such an interesting question. And as I said, I grew up in a small town. We knew each other since we were kids. We all grew up together. And here's the thing. We all grew up together. So all of our mothers, a lot of our parents actually grew up in the same place. Anytime I was at somebody's house, their mother was in charge of me. And if there were other kids at my house, my mother was in charge of them. I know that this sounds really bogus, but I was never bullied ever. And I I thought about this a lot. I'm like, well, can't you find a time? But we all knew each other. We grew up together. And there were so few of us. There was a hundred of my graduating class. We had little cliques too, and we didn't hang out with everybody. But I don't ever remember seeing anyone ever bullied. And I was thinking, why? That's so unusual. And I think the reason why is because we just grew up together. I mean, we were literally in, you know, I remember second grade with all these people when I moved to the school that I spent 10 years with. So I never, we just never had that. That, that is awesome. That really is. It really is awesome. And, and uh, but uh, let, let me add here is I do think it's tragic and especially, and I don't know that it's changed, but it's tragic at the amount of bullying that goes on. And this may be a little controversial. I don't know your audience entirely, but unfortunately, we don't have great role models at the top level of U.S. government when it comes to how not to be a bully. I'm just putting that out there, but top levels of U.S. government are very, 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 very destructive and bullying of people. And this is what kids are learning because I, I see it. They're learning to bully other kids and they're doing that because they're taught that by air quote leadership in the United States. And I think it's tragic. Yeah, I do too. Mindful Tribe, you can you can check out Jim Fortin's website at jimfortin.com, J-I-M-F-O-R-T-I-N. So check out his website. He has so much there and he's just such a giver with what mm-hmm. he does. And his, his podcast, Transform Your Life from the Inside Out, is something that you really need to check out as well. Jim, as we move forward, I want to ask you five quick answer questions. Mm-hmm. And the first one is this, who is one person? person who has helped you with mindfulness in your life? My brother-in-law, the shaman. I guess that's an easy one because you talk a lot about him on the show. Everything for him is about silence of mind all the time, 24-7. So there's, there's that short answer. How has mindfulness affected your emotions, Jim? Well, when you're mindful, you're actually air quote thinking. When, and I want to help people with this. Let me just go for 30 seconds. I know there's a quick answers. But your emotions are driven by your thinking. So what you think is how you feel. And when you become mindful and you get quiet, how you feel becomes peaceful. So you become emotionally peaceful. And this is like a pivotal thing I tell people in my coaching programs to get quiet because we want to change how we feel. That's easy. Change what you think. Get quiet. Yeah, absolutely. Tell us how breathing is part of your mindfulness. Breathing, well, like yoga, breath is we control things through breath. And when I teach my students how to reprogram their subconscious mind for the more analytical ones that have a hard time following an audio, I tell them to do what I call a 7-11 breathing technique. Breathe in seven, exhale 11. 
You do that a half a dozen times, you've already slowed your brainwaves down to what's called theta, which is a, a lower level of brainwave activity, which is relaxation. So I use breathing and I tell my students all the time, breathe. You're in traffic, breathe. You're nervous, breathe. You're afraid, breathe. It changes everything. Yeah, it really does change everything. And I always ask a question about a book and an app, and you've already answered that because the book is The Power of the Subconscious Mind by Joseph Murphy. And the app is Commit to Three. You've already told us about that. I'm very curious. Let me add one more. Go ahead. Absolutely. To to learn, to train. I I tell people this, train ourselves. We are mammals. We are animals. And if you watch like, you know, Las Vegas trainers, we, we, we must train ourselves like an animal. And I don't mean being hard and all that, but there's also another app, app that I recommend called Streaks, S-T-R-E-A-K-S. It's like $4. Um, I don't know if it's on Android, but it is on iPhone. And basically this, there's research behind this is that you set up, like, let's say you want to drink, you know, two glass, three glass, I don't know, two of these a day or something or whatever it is. You put it in your goal app, streaks. It reminds you to drink the water. And then what it does is it creates like this visual streak, meaning you can see all the days you've been successful. That reinforces the behavior. I highly recommend that app. Oh, that's excellent. Yeah. Thanks for that, Jim. Mm -hmm. I have this question because I know you've been on stage with some real high players in this industry. And I know that you've got so much wisdom and expertise that you share on your podcast and you do training programs and so on. I'm surprised that I don't see a book that you've written. Have you ever written a book? And if not, why not? I'm just curious about this. Okay, so I do want to go two places with this. Yes, I have. And I don't want to put the title out because I wrote the book in 98 and there's typos in it back when we were self-publishing. So I basically wrote all this book, had it printed, and they're still in the garage somewhere. And I don't want to put it out because people are going to go look and they're going to buy it on Amazon and the Amazon's going to call me and say, hey, send us more books, etc." So over the years, where I've really worked from, what I really enjoy is my best connection with people is through video and audio. I know we want books and not everybody has books and all this, but at this point, I have no inclination to write one again or, or to do a book. I'm especially a podcast. I mean, people tell me that they listen to my podcast like an audiobook. They just start at the beginning, which is what I recommend, and they just go through the episodes. So that's the long answer is I just don't have a desire to put one out right now. Yeah. And I certainly did that. I went to your podcast and I think I'm on episode 12 now, or just about to go to 13. And you've got it organized very well. You just get into a topic and you share, share, share so much wisdom. And then you have some episodes that are like coaching sessions where you get right in there and you're, you're answering questions and talking about them. So it's a great way to share your knowledge with the world. And you obviously want to share your knowledge with the world. Uh, When in your career, did you decide that you wanted to pour yourself into just generous, sharing that way? Or have you always had that philosophy? I'll keep this short. I've always been, I've always worked from something I talk about in the podcast, a later, later episode called Aini, A-Y-N-I. There's two episodes on it. That's ancient Incan for reciprocity of life. And basically meaning what you put out with an open heart is what you bring back into your life. 
So I know that if I want to build my life, the way to do it is to serve other people with an open heart and just give them as much as I possibly can. And guess what? What's going to come back is going to come back. I have always been that way in terms of that mindset. Now, in business as well, I don't know what degree you have entrepreneurs, self-employed people. There are so many industries that do not work that way. They're all about, let me hoard. It's, this is my business, and I'm not going to share this with you, and I'm not going to tell you how I built my business. And I've had my brother-in-law, who I've watched live that way. Um, as an example, he's always lived that way. And there was a woman that I coached about 10 years ago. She's older now. Well, she was old, older then, but she owned the second largest real estate company in Texas. And she's been around for a lot of years, a Dallas business icon. And I watched her live her life by how many people can she build. And I don't, I don't just mean in her company. I mean, she literally took me over and introduced me to her competition. And I'm like, why would you do that? And she goes, because you can help everybody in our industry. So why would I, you know, why would I not tell other people about you? Because you can help so many people improve their lives. So where I work from, and this is a lot, everyone please, you know, listen and get this is most of us live backwards. Let me take care of myself first. And then once I'm taken care of, I'll help you. And I work from let me help you first, because when I do that, myself will be taken care of automatically. And I embody that emotionally. Now, I know you've taught a lot of salespeople through yeah. your work, but have you been in that field? Have you been a salesperson? Yes. And actually, let me add there, the bio that you have, you must have pulled that off my website. I responded back to you, but normally my team does. And I have a shorter bio where I don't mention sales. For many years, I, uh, I, I taught selling professionals. Now, who I work with is predominantly self-employed people, entrepreneurs. But I have people from all walks of life in my programs. Everything from, from housewives to... I've, I've worked with billionaires before. Yes, I've been in sales. I was in sales out of college. And then for many years as a speaker, I sold from the stage. Meaning I would sell, even though I was selling training programs, I was selling other people's training programs many years ago. And I would sell from the stage. So I've been in... And by the way, everything is sales. Everyone's in sales. Yeah. I've been in sales pretty much my entire life. And I love it. I'm in sales now. I mean, I'm selling people and shifting their ideas on this podcast. Yes. You know, are, yeah. are becoming more mindful. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, uh, and you're very good at it because you don't have that way about you that's like push, 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 push. You got to do this. You got to do this. You got to do this. You know, yeah. and I think that's one of the big keys is that people get turned off very quickly and very easily if they experience that. Yeah, where I work from is let me kick the door open for you and let me expose to you. And let me, uh, here's where I work from is. By the way, I know we're on video too. One of my, I'm at home. One of my dogs just jumped in the chair with yeah. me. 80% of you, you know, have dogs. So you're good with that. Yeah. Um, this is the where I work from is I have enough evidence to know that I change people's lives. So that being said, where I work from is I have a moral and ethical responsibility to assist as many people as I possibly can that work in my target market. And so I'm going to let people know about what I do. Why? Because they know the end result. But what I don't do is try to force or cajole or any of that. And the reason why is I know that people are exactly where they need to be when they need to be there. So I open the door and you may or may not know I've taught persuasion and influence for a lot of years. Yes. So I do know how to get into people's minds. I do a fair amount of that. That's one of the reasons the podcast is so successful. It's part of the languaging that I use. And 
things that I say, and I use a lot of neurolinguistics in the podcast to lead people. However, I believe that I have an ethical responsibility to also respect where people are. So it's not my job to force anybody to do anything. It's my job to open the door, and then whatever happens from there happens from there. Well, it's very impressive uh, how you've shaped your life. And that's one of the things you talk about is that we all shape our life. And we, if we don't like the way our life is, look in the mirror because we created it. And uh, yeah. I think for a lot of people, that's kind of harsh, but it's true. We yeah. have created our own life and you teach that, but then you go on and teach, how can we recreate it? How can we change it? So it's more like the life we really want. And I think that's so exciting that you are able to step-by-step teach people how to transform their lives using subconscious programming, which you say is one of the most important tools we can have in our, in our life. Yes. And, and I do not because I'm on your podcast that we had never met. And somebody asked me, what's the most powerful thing that a person can master as a being? Meaning what tools do we have available to us? Not external, but internal tools. You call it mindfulness. I call it silence. To me, and I, actually, so you probably have listened to uh, episode number six, I believe. You said you're at 12 or 13. Yes. Where I talk about living your potential. Yes. And seeing your potential is not what everyone else says about creating things or cars or homes. We as being, when we learn to silence the mind, in that moment, we are living at the highest potential we have as a being. Not a doing, but a being. So I'm sitting there, I'm, I'm actually preaching like you are also, is that the silence, the mindfulness, that is where the power is. Because I don't know if you've shared before, but when we go into silence and mindfulness, the body also goes into healing mode. We heal yes. physically, mentally, and emotionally. So I, you know, a lot of these things that people deal with, uh, abuse or trauma and a lot of this stuff, they carry it for a lifetime because they never go into the silence to release it. So I'm a fan. I, I get it. I'm, I'm with you. Yeah. Well, Mindful Tribe, like I said, check out jimforton.com. Check out his podcast, Transform Your Life from the Inside Out. Jim, it's been such a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you very much for being here. My pleasure. Absolutely. If we can help some people, then that's what it's about. Absolutely. All the best to you. Bye now. Thanks so much for joining us today on Mindfulness Mode. For show notes for every episode, check out mindfulnessmode.com and type the guest name or the episode number into the search bar. You can also go mindfulnessmode.com slash whatever episode number you like. If you've enjoyed this podcast, you could help us out by subscribing to Mindfulness Mode wherever you listen, whether it's on iTunes or Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, so many places you can hear Mindfulness Mode. So hit subscribe and share because that truly helps our show. And remember, if you're thinking of launching your own podcast, you can get a free month at Podbean with its awesome pricing and fantastic stats. And you can just do that by going to podbean.com slash podbean MM, standing for mindfulness mode. 
So remember, subscribing and sharing helps keep mindfulness mode on the air. Till next time, Mindful Tribe, use what we've learned today to reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness. Stay in the mode.